Let's read together from Luke chapter 2. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. There's something about children and Christmas. For me, especially this year, um, it's been a wonderful experience. I've got a grandchild, two and a half years old, and I'm experiencing Christmas with him. And here's the thing with him and Christmas. It takes me to another world. Father Christmas, the stars, lights, music, gifts. And I'm amazed as he, at his experience, his curiosity, because this is actually the first time that he really experiences Christmas. He's starting to think now, and he discovers stuff. He asks questions. And then he would use a word. There's a word in his vocabulary, and I love that word. He says, Wow. And he would look at me and he would say, Look at that. Wow. His astonishment is contagious. I don't know. He just touches something in me, perhaps a little child in me. And I experience it with him. It's an invitation to be astonished. I can't help but to think about the first Christmas. Now it just takes me back. It's all about a child. Jesus, his birth. And as you read those stories, you're immediately taken to another world. It's also a world of stars, of lights, of music, of gifts, and angels. And in our story, an angel came and told shepherds, do you know who's this child? Well, let me tell you, this child, is the Savior, is the Christ, is the Lord. Oh, and the, those three words are so much. It's who he is. It's why he came. It's what he does. It's what we need so desperately. And it all has to do with goodness, with beauty, and with power. And these shepherds were Curious. The moment they heard these words, they were curious. And they, and they sought after the reality of what the angel spoke about. And it led to an experience of astonishment. And they worshipped God. So this Christmas, the invitation is to be astonished. So what is astonishment and how can we be astonished? The word means that you are taken out of yourself. It's an experience where you are overwhelmed by something big from the outside. And your experience is that you are very small. You don't understand everything that you experience. And it, it has to do with goodness, with, with beauty, and with power. But you are in awe and wonder. 
and it fills you with curiosity. I want to know more. I bow in front of the greatness, the goodness of what I experience now. And I want to ask you, when last were you astonished? Can you remember? Well, think back at a moment of astonishment. What brought it about? Was it an experience in nature? Was it art, music, a nice movie, ideas that you were exposed to? And think a moment about the effect on your life. What happened to you during your experience of astonishment? Here's some research that shows that astonishment is a big antidote for boredom. You know, a lot of us are caught up in boredom. And of course, the reason for that is familiarity. And when you are astonished, you actually break the cycle of familiarity. Uh, the disenchantment sometimes. You know, we can explain everything. We know everything. But when you experience wonder, you're filled with mystery. It's an antidote for our pain. It alleviates pain. You can sit with your pain so much better when you're also astonished. The artificiality of our lives. Sometimes we just get stuck. Life is so shallow, but astonishment takes you to the depths of life and of your life. It's an antidote for alienation. You know, we are cut off from the sources that gives us life and that brings wonderful things into our lives. And perhaps the big source of life. So that's why Paul perhaps say, pursue a life of wonder. Go for it, a life of wonder. Now we shouldn't confuse wonder, astonishment, with amazement. It's something different. Later on in Luke chapter 2, we read that all who heard him, that's Jesus when he was 12 years old in the temple, were amazed. There's a difference between astonishment and amazement. They are two different words in the Greek. It's two different types of experiences. Now, with astonishment, you are overwhelmed. It's something from the outside, big from the outside that has an impression on you. But when it comes to amazement, it's, it has to do with your judgment. You like certain things or think certain things are good. And when you experience something, you judge it. And then you are amazed sometimes that, well, just look at the extent of this thing that I like. You know, with astonishment, you are more judged by the experience. I'm not like that. But now you say, no, I like this. Um, astonishment is all good. But amazement can also be negative. For instance, I can say, I'm amazed. How can you do something like that? Or I can say, how can you do that? How can you achieve that? It's incredible that you can do it. So the one experience from an energy perspective is entatic. 
It's more energy coming into you. Ecstatic is energy going from you. So the word for amazement is existantu. Can you hear where our word ecstasy comes from? Existantu. So it's a energy going out of me. Um, to, to, to give an example, for instance, in, in rugby, it's a collective experiences of existantu, of energy going through us. And in um, sociology, there's a word that they use for this type of experience. It's massification. It's when a group share a certain experience and the group comes together on a psych psychic level. They become one. They start feeling together, feeling of each other's experience, and they start thinking together. And it can be a wonderful experience. It's like at a, at a rock concert or a music festival. We have that experience. It, it, it uh, releases a lot of adrenaline and, and feel good hormones a lot of times. But that experience can, and that energy can easily transform, can easily be switched into a negative energy. That's where hooliganism comes from, for instance. In soccer, the sport uh, well known for its hooliganism is um, that even if a team won, they could be so elated and they would all sing together, but they can vandalize. And in, in South African co context, the toy toy experience is one of those experiences well. So it's not just all good. That's why Jesus wasn't so taken up by... Um, this whole phenomena, you know, of existantu. When people were amazed at his teaching, he would ask them, but why are you amazed? He didn't go for it. That was not his aim, to amaze people. Not at all. Because it can be switched so And it can be very neutral. It can have no permanent effect on your life. And this type of experience is not known for the transformative power. I mean, you, you don't, you're, not, you're not a different person. Your values don't necessarily change. Your identity don't change. It just flows through you. So here's the invitation when we experience something from it. Just to experience it neutrally, let it flow through us. If we want something more or see the potential in that, that type of experience to have a permanent effect on my life, it will only be so if I do some work with that experience, if I integrate that experience in my life. But when it becomes negative energy, our invitation is to transform it. And Jesus talked about transformation of energy when he said, don't just love the people who love you. That is just letting the energy flow through you that comes to you from them. He says, but love your enemies. Love the people that hate you. When you receive hate and that energy comes towards you, don't let it just flow through you. Transform it. Transform it. So we live in a culture of amazement. That is the experience that we are predominantly after. We like the adrenaline and the 
feeling high experience. We can ascribe too much value to that experience. And there is something greater and bigger than that, and that is to be astonished. So don't think that you are astonished just by calling it all wonder, astonishment doesn't make it all wonder or astonishment. You are just amazed. And be careful for the negative experience of amazement. And that's our challenge for this Christmas. We can be taken up by this spirit, by the energy that are released. Wherever you go, you hear the music, you you get into the spirit of Christmas. And it can all just be energy going through you without really having an impact on your life or without even becoming to a place where you are astonished. There's something more. Now, how can I be extorting? How can I experience astonishment? First of all, receive it like a child. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. What's the kingdom of God? What does it mean if I live in the kingdom of God? It means that I live with Jesus. and I'm getting to know him and I'm experiencing the fact that he is my savior. He's my Christ. And he's my Lord. So when I start, and the only way that you would ever experience something like that is if you can become like a little child to receive like a child. Now, what does that mean? It doesn't mean to become childish, but to become childlike. And the philosopher, Ricoeur, uses this example. And he says, when you come to a child and you ask him whether he believes in Father Christmas, Santa Claus, and he says, yes, he's most probably naive. He doesn't know yet there is no Santa Claus. But if you come to a child and ask him whether he believes in Santa Claus, and he says, no, I know there's no Santa Claus. He lost his innocence. He's enlightened. And he developed, and a a very important aspect in his development has taken place. Because to go through life naive can bring you a lot of harm. But he says that's not the aim of development to stop at this phase of development. There's something more, and he calls it a second naivete. And I said that's very, very important to get to this place. And that's when you ask a child whether he believes in Santa Claus and he says, "Um, I believe in Santa Claus, but I know there is no Santa Claus. That's the child that's further away on his development. He he, he speaks about the the, um, debate between religion and science. And he says a lot of religion, and he criticizes a lot of religion and and expressions of religion where they are naive. And he says it's, it's not helpful to believe that way or to think that way. And then on the other side, he criticizes science who think, well, we've demystified life now. And uh, we are enlightened. We know a lot of those things aren't the way they say, say it is. 
And he says, they're water, of course. Um, even though I can believe in Santa Claus without believing in his actual existence. I believe in Santa Claus in the sense that I believe there is a wonderful father. And that's what Christmas is about. That gives presents for free, gracefully. I believe that Jesus is the light. I believe in stars. You know, he is the bright morning star. Not actually, but he is. And, 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 and you know, by, by entering into a larger, bigger sense of what it's all about, these are only signs. But these signs can show you the way, can help you to enter into the reality. He says, here's the problem. If you're just enlightened, you'll be cynical. You'll be critical. There would be no novelty in your life. There would be nothing holy. How could there be anything holy? Because you understand everything. And here's the thing, that we can't really understand the biggest things in life. We don't have a definition for God. Do you know what God is? Who God is? You can't. Do you have a definition for love? Do you have a definition for energy? You know, I I, I studied spirituality and when I asked the professor, please just give me your definition. And he said, "I'm, I'm a professor now for 40 years. 40 years ago, I had a definition. I haven't got a definition now. But we're studying it. So I can just tell you what it's like. And most of the definitions of love and all uh, just refers to an aspect of love, but not to love self itself. It's a mystery. So can you live with a mystery? So here's the posture of a child, a second naivete that we've got to develop. It's an attitude of humbleness. I don't know everything. And the reality is laden. With mystery. There's so much. There's so much beauty. There's so much goodness. There's so much energy around me, in me. And, and, and do you have that attitude to be open to it? Like a child to see it and experience it for the first time. Are you open? Or are you closed? Are you curious? Do you have a sense for novelty? I'm going to discover something new. Then you can believe. Then you're open to receive astonishment. But then, the big example of Mary. Listen, everybody was astonished. A lot of people were amazed. But Mary, she heard and she saw. And she guarded what she heard and what she saw. And she thought about it in her heart. Now, first of all, to be able to really hear and see. A lot of things. You've got to wake up. I don't know. Has anybody ever told you? (laughs) Um, You better wake up. Has anybody told you? I'm telling you, but you don't hear me. You can only when you're awake. See Christ, the work of Christ. Can you see the Savior? Can you see His saving grace? Can you see power, beauty, 
um, goodness all around you. That's expressions, works of God in your life. And of course, the big place where we can see it is, is in Scripture. And that's, what, that's where we're invited to. It's one of the main, so the main source on which our faith is built, on Scripture. Now, the, sh- uh, the shepherds had an angel. And you might say, if I have an angel that tells me, and if I can see an angel, I would also be able to be astonished and be amazed. But God decides the way that he comes to us. And we can easily miss it because he can come to us in a very natural way. Like the people all just heard the shepherds. They were simple people, not even educated people. Mary had the humility to listen to them. And she learned something about her baby, who he was and what he's going to do through the shepherds. Because they heard it. We only have people that heard the shepherds. And that's one of the, that's why we read Luke. He's telling us, you know, like all those people, we've got to believe in the integrity of the news bearer who's bringing us the word of God. Do you know this is Jesus? This is the word. Can you hear? Can you see? If you don't pay attention, you will never hear and see. And then you've got to keep it, guard it. Um, to guard something means that you should ascribe value to it. You should value it. And then take care of it. How? By looking after it. Check up regularly. So everything's still okay. The biblical word for that is to remember. Do you have ways to remember? Do you do things to remember this, because this is very important. And this can lead to astonishment if you do this. And then you've got to think about it in your heart. Now, your heart is the place in you. It's actually, it's, it's you, it's your essence, it's your spirit, where you feel and sense and intuit and imagine, where all the functions come together. If you just think about it in your head, then you rationalize. If you just feel it, you emotionalize. But you've got to think with your heart. You've got to learn to think with your heart. In that way, you can move from amazement to astonishment. Something big happens in that place. You know, have you ever seen a great movie? And three days later... You've forgotten about that movie. Had no effect on your life. This is the way, if you can learn to think about things in your heart, that's how you are transformed. That's how you work it into your life. It is also the way how you can transform negative energy into positive energy. Through sensing, intuiting, imagining you know, and thinking rationally about it, things happen in your inside. We call it, we call it sometimes call it meditation or contemplation. We've got to learn. I wonder about the shepherds. We never read about them again. Were they astonished and just went on with their lives afterwards? 
Did they keep on telling the story, write a book about it, for instance, and just tell everybody how great that happening was, that they all caught up with the angel and the guy and the child that was born, or did they become followers of Christ? That these words and experience help them to experience God himself. So, here's the invitation for Christmas. If you can hear something, see something about him, you'll discover that his name is wonderful. It's wonderful. The invitation is to go beyond amazement, just not to get stuck there and to stay there. And if you sit with negative energy, to be able to transmute it. So to transform it into a positive energy in this Christmas. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. Help us to open up and to hear, to receive your word. Help us to guard your word and to ponder upon it in our hearts and to experience the astonishment of who you are, what you do, and how you work in our lives. And in our midst, we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Receive the blessing of the Lord. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Amen.